parenting, it's the hardest job we'll ever do. Most of us are tired, stressed, and counting the minutes until bedtime. But what if raising kids could feel just a little lighter? I'm Dr. Hillary, a licensed psychologist and mama of three, and you're listening to the Raised Resilient Podcast, where each week we tackle tough parenting topics, and I help decode behavior and empower you with tools and strategies so that even the hardest moments make more sense. Because parenting is hard, no matter how you do it. But I can help you go from barely surviving to parenting in a way that feels good for you and your child. So warm up your coffee and grab your earbuds. It's time to raise resilient kids. Hey friends, welcome back to Raised Resilient. I'm your host, Dr. Hillary, and I am so glad you're here. So as you're probably aware of, The holiday season is right around the corner. If you're in the U.S., Thanksgiving is next week, which I cannot believe. I feel like this whole year has just flown by. And after Thanksgiving, everything kind of can be a whirlwind right up through into the new year. And so toward that end, I wanted to support you by offering a series of episodes dedicated to helping the holidays feel lighter and more joyful, even when everything around you might feel chaotic and busy especially as a parent, because as we know, the holidays can be so much fun. They can be beautiful and magical, and they can also be really, really stressful, right? So I wanted to create some content to support you in that. So toward that end, I have a whole series of episodes. I am super excited about these. I think they're going to be so helpful for you. And I created a sort of companion downloadable holiday survival guide for parents. It's totally free. You can get your copy at raisedresilient.com forward slash holiday. This guide is your all-in-one resource to help you tackle all of the common holiday stressors, what to do when your child is having a meltdown, how to do things in a way that maximizes joy and reduces stress, what to do when your child won't say thank you when someone gives them a gift, how to handle relatives who don't parent the way that you do. This guide has everything you need. So go to raisedresilient.com forward slash holiday and download your copy today so that you will have it as you navigate the holidays. So on the podcast, today I am talking about self-care and not the sort of self-care where we're going to get a massage once a month or having spa days. Those are great, but I'm talking about regular sustainable self-care. The things we do to keep our own cups full enough so that we have something left over to give. So that's this week's episode. And then next week, I'm talking about how to help our kids connect with and recognize feelings of gratitude and why we shouldn't force our kids to say thank you when they're not doing that on their own and what we can do in those tough situations when our child isn't saying thank you in a social setting and we really want them to. How do we handle that? So that's next week. And then on November 30th, I'm going to be talking about why the holidays are so hard for parents. And I'm going to give you six tips to enjoy more and stress less. And then on December 7th, I'm talking about Santa. I know this is something that can feel really tricky to navigate as a parent. And I know you want to do it in a way that feels respectful and aligned with your personal values. And so I'm going to tell you what I do with my kids and how we can do this in a way that feels good. And then the following two weeks, I'm doing a two-part series on navigating holiday gatherings. So the first part in this series is dealing with relatives and friends and extended family who don't necessarily parent the way that you do. How do we navigate this? How do we support our kids in these moments? How do we support ourselves? 
So that's part one. And then part two is dealing with meltdowns and our kids' schedules and trying to navigate holiday gatherings in a way that actually works for our kids and works for us. So stay tuned. You do not want to miss this series. I'm super excited about it. So now let's dive into self-care. So the first thing that we need to do when we're thinking about self-care as a parent, we've got to make the mindset shift from thinking of self-care as a nice to have or even selfish. You know, some of us were raised in a way that made us feel like we had to cater to other people before we took care of ourselves. And so now as adults, you might struggle to prioritize yourself. You might feel like it's selfish or it's nice to do, but everything else comes first. And listen, that is so not true. The fact is self-care is necessary, not only for parents, but especially for parents. We cannot show up for other people if we are not taking care of ourselves full stop. So we have to shift our mindset from thinking of self-care as like, oh, it's nice if I can do it, but you know, usually I'm too busy to know these are things that I prioritize because I have to. I cannot be the mom, the person, the partner, the worker that I want to be unless I am cared for. Now, a caveat here, you deserve to be cared for because you deserve it, period. You deserve it. You are enough and you deserve love and care. And I think we also need to recognize that parenting doesn't feel good. Our partnerships don't feel good. Our work life doesn't feel good. Life doesn't feel good if we are not pouring into our own cups enough that we have something left over to give. If you're pouring from an empty cup, you are burning yourself out because you are giving what you don't have. It's that simple. Okay, so we have to start to think of self-care as necessary. That's the first step to really making self-care happen in our lives in a meaningful way, in a sustainable way. Now, the second thing that we have to think about is we have to define our priorities. Now, this cannot be 35 things, okay? When I talk about priorities, I'm talking about what are the like three to five things that really, really matter to you? If we prioritize everything, then we are never going to feel fulfilled because we are constantly going to feel like we're failing and not doing enough. So what are the things that really matter to you? Maybe that's your family, your health, your partnership, and your work life. Maybe those are the things that are your priorities. And then once we understand what are the things that really matter to us, then we have to understand this. And that is that different things from that list are going to be at the top of the list for different seasons of your life. And then there might be times when you add things to that list, right? So maybe you have an aging parent that you're caring for, or maybe you're training for a marathon, or maybe you're prioritizing learning a new skill. And those things might not be on the list forever, but they are on the list for that season of your life. So we are not always giving equally to all of those priorities. We cannot possibly do that. We have to stop seeking to always have balance. We talk a lot about balance. It's become kind of a buzzword in our society, balance, seeking balance. What does that really mean? You know, when I think about balance, I think about an actual like scale, right? And everything is perfectly evenly suspended in midair. But that is not reality when it comes to our lives. We cannot always have things in perfect balance. And I think the idea that we should have things in perfect balance, that we should equally be focusing on our health and our kids and our work and our partner at the same time 
And then when you factor in things like an aging parent or an extra thing that you're trying to do in your own life, that feels impossible. We feel like we are constantly failing and that is not a way to live. So instead of trying to arrive at this elusive place of balance, I want you to shift from thinking about balance to thinking about harmony. That means how do all of your priorities fit together today for this week or this season of your life? And I think that's really key to think of it like that because these priorities are going to shift. Some of them are going to move to the top of the list for a little while. Let's say you've got something going on with your health. You're going to be more focused on that. That might rise above other priorities for a little while. Once you get that figured out, then that's going to maybe move back down the list and maybe your kids or your partner are going to be top of that list. Or let's say that you have a deadline at work. You're going to be focused on meeting that deadline for a few days, for a week, for however long. So work moves to the top of that priority list, but it's not going to stay there. Okay. You're going to have times where you're going to focus more on family. If we understand this as a fluid thing and we're seeking harmony and not balance, we are going to feel so much more fulfilled and less like we're failing at everything because we cannot possibly do everything at 100% all the time. You have to accept that. And I think that is just such an important precursor to self-care because self-care includes how we are thinking about our lives and how we feel like we're doing in each of those areas. Another example that's pertinent to the holiday season. Let's say that you prioritize making healthy home-cooked meals for your family and eating together at the dinner table. That's a priority. That's something you try to build in as often as possible. Enter the holiday season where we have tons of activities. Our calendars are really full. We have all of these changes to our normal routine. And so maybe during this short season, you order takeout a little bit more often, or you eat on the go more than you usually would. But then that allows you to enjoy other things with your kids, with your family. So that's okay that that priority shifts a little bit. So we are looking for things to be in harmony with each other and not necessarily in perfect balance. And again, this matters so much because we want to stop constantly feeling like we are not doing enough. We want to feel like it's okay for something to take the front and center stage for a little while and then maybe move back to where it was. These things are constantly shifting and changing and that is okay. So the next thing that I think we really have to understand in order to care for ourselves in a way that is sustainable and regular, we have to understand that we can divide up our time however we need to. There is no right amount of time to spend with your child or right amount of time to spend at work. Obviously, unless you have to be at work for certain hours, but you know, there's not some set amount of time that is enough. And especially, you know, this is a parenting podcast. So when it comes to your kids, there's not a right amount of hours that you have to be with them in order for them to be fulfilled. There's just not. You can look through all of the attachment literature and none of it says you have to be with your kids X number of hours a day. Okay. So when we think about time with our kids, it is quality that we're looking for, not necessarily quantity. The key though is that whatever you're doing, however you divide up your time, try to be fully present in whatever it is you're doing. So let's say you do have a work deadline this week and you do need to work a little bit more than usual. That's fine. 
When you're working, be at work. Focus on what you're doing. Don't spend that time feeling guilty that you're not with your child. And then let's say you stop on your way home to work out, even though it means that you pick your child up a little bit later than usual from daycare, or you get home to your family a little bit later than you would like. But you do that because working out helps you show up as the calm and regulated parent that you want to be. That is fine. Enjoy your workout. Don't stress about getting home even later as a result. Then when you do get home, be fully present with your family. Don't check work emails. Don't be thinking about how you should have done this or that while you were out. Just be present. Again, it is not about quantity. It's about quality. It's about what we do with that time. Now, I want to be really clear here and make sure that you know that I am not saying that you have to be fully engaged with your child 100% of the time when you're at home. You can't be. That's just not possible. You have a household to run. And that's true even if you work all day and you only see your child a few hours of every day. So I'm not saying that you should be fully engaged with your child that whole time. What I am saying is that when you are engaged with your child, can you be fully present? So what I like to tell parents is, can you fully engage with your child and be fully present? Maybe say, when you first see each other after being separated, so when they come home from school or when you come home from work or when you pick them up from daycare or school, and then when they're leaving in the morning, when you're leaving to separate, can you be fully engaged during those moments? Can you be fully engaged during mealtimes and caregiving moments like diaper changes and bath time, the bedtime routine? And then if you can, can you carve out five minutes a couple times a week? Every day is amazing, but you don't need to set that as the standard. Can you carve out five minutes with each child a couple times a week? Give that time a name, make it something special, make it a capital T thing that you and your child look forward to. And can you be fully present for that? So in those moments, can you put your phone away? Can you not be thinking about work? Can you be fully engaged with your child in those moments. The rest of the time, even when you're at home, you're going to be doing things to take care of your household. You're going to be cleaning up. You're going to be doing laundry. You're going to be maybe sitting on the couch reading a book. That is actually wonderful. And in the name of self-care, I hope you are doing those things. Sit down, read a book. And when your child comes and says, mommy, can you play? Daddy, can you come do this with me? Say, I hear you asking me to play. I'm reading a book right now. I can't wait to play with you later, but right now I'm reading. You can read next to me or you can play in your room, whatever you like. You get to use that time in a way that works for you. So I think that's really important to note in the context of talking about self-care because I think so often, especially if we only see our kids a couple of hours a day, whether because they're in school or because we're working or both, we can start to feel a lot of pressure to really spend that time with them. And again, it's not quantity, it is quality. So choose some moments of each day to really be engaged with your child. And then the rest of the time, do what you need to do. So that's what I mean when I say when you're with your child, be fully engaged. That does not mean that every second of the time that you're with your child, you have to be fully engaged with them. I just want to be really clear about that. But ultimately, whether we're at home or at work, whether we're spending time with our child or taking time for ourselves, I want us to focus on being fully present, fully engaged in whatever it is that we're doing, instead of trying to be two places at once mentally. Hey friend, if you're 
anything like I was as I got started on my journey to parent differently. You might be listening to this podcast and thinking, this is great, but I could really use a little more support. Maybe you need help with your child's meltdowns. Maybe you're struggling with aggressive behaviors. Maybe there's this one situation in parenting that keeps coming up and is throwing you off. Maybe you're struggling to stay calm and show up the way you want to. Whatever your struggle, I've got you covered. I am so excited to announce that I have opened up a few spots each week for one-on-one virtual parent coaching. This is your opportunity to work directly with me completely online to figure out whatever parenting challenge you are struggling with right now. You can go to raiseresilient.com forward slash coaching and book your session literally today completely online. It really couldn't be easier to get the support you need. So go book your session today. I am so excited to work with you. Okay. So now with this understanding of harmony and priorities, how do we actually make self-care happen? Well, first of all, we have to figure out what is the baseline of self-care that we need to be doing in order to feel like ourselves. Like what are those things? What are those cornerstone things that you need to be doing to feel good? And then once we understand, okay, what are my cornerstones of self-care? What do I need to feel like me? Then we need to make that happen. So for you, that might mean taking your calendar app, like literally opening up the calendar app on your phone and scheduling it in, or you can set a reminder so that you know, okay, at some point today I am doing this and then make it a priority, make it something that you do no matter what. So if you're not sure where to start, if you're like, I don't know, what are my cornerstones? Let me tell you mine. And that might get you thinking about what those are for you. But for me, my top three are movement plus fresh air. Now you could separate those, but I like to combine them. So whenever I can movement outside, because fresh air is so rejuvenating and so important for all of us. I know for me, it is something that really makes me feel alive and present. And if I'm in a funk or having a bad day, just getting outside and moving is going to turn things around most of the time. The second one is staying hydrated. That's so simple, but it is such a key for me. And The third one is getting decent sleep. So as I said, I combine movement and fresh air. So for me, that looks like my daily walk outside. I walk outside every day for 60 minutes, even if it's raining. Now, to be fair, I live in a climate where I can walk outside most days. And if it's really, the weather's just really not cooperating, if it's thunderstorming and lightning, whatever, then I will walk around inside or I will jump on a mini trampoline, but I try to move for that hour. And I really try to make that in the form of walking outside. Now I have three kids. So how do I fit this in? Well, I get creative. First of all, I am 99% of the time walking while pushing my toddler in a jogging stroller. And then I have my older kids either bike or scooter alongside me, or I go to a playground where there's a small track that surrounds the play equipment. And I push the stroller while my older kids play. I can see them the whole time and they can call for me if they need me. Win-win because they get to play and I get my walk-in in the fresh air. So take a look at your typical day. Where can you fit in movement? And can you do that movement outside? Schedule it in. Literally go to your calendar app and schedule it if you need to, or at least set a reminder, but make that movement a priority. Don't just hope it will happen because see, when we do that, it is so easy for everything else to take over. Second thing I said was staying hydrated. So for me, when I talk about staying hydrated, I usually do a pretty good job of that. But one of the ways I do that is that I carry my water bottle with me literally everywhere. If I'm driving somewhere, it's in the car. If I'm working, it's sitting right next to me on my desk. If I'm walking, I have it in the stroller. Okay. So I have my water bottle with me all the time. 
And then the other thing that I've started doing that has really been a game changer for me, I drink electrolytes. I drink ones from Element, that's L-M-N-T, and I have no financial relationship with them. I just love them. They're yummy. They don't have any sugar in them, and you can literally just mix them into your water bottle. So I will put a link in the show notes if you're interested in trying those. But for me, staying hydrated means that I have just gotten into the habit of taking my water bottle with me anywhere I go. And then prioritizing sleep. This one is tricky, and I just want to go ahead and say that for some of you, you are not going to be in a season where you're going to easily be able to prioritize sleep. If you have a young baby, if you have a toddler or just a child who's waking you up right now because they're in that season, deep breaths. Just remember, it is a season and it will pass. You will not have sleep that is interrupted 20 times a night forever, okay? You won't. I promise you that. If you are in a season where you can prioritize sleep, it's a really good thing to do. And even if you have a baby or a toddler or someone who's waking you up, can you work together, say with your partner, to protect a chunk of sleep for yourself? Five hours is kind of the gold standard. And then obviously, if you can do a longer chunk, that's even better. But five hours is a place to start. There's also postpartum doulas. I didn't even know these magical, wonderful people existed when I had my first two kids. And then my third was in the heat of COVID. So I didn't get to take advantage of that, but that is an option. These are literally people who will come to your house and take care of your baby, bring your baby to you if you're breastfeeding, and let you sleep. So there are options, even if you are in that really difficult new baby phase and you're not getting any sleep. If you are not in that season, there are things you can do to prioritize your sleep. And I think it's really important to do that. Because when we are not well-rested, it is so hard to show up as the parents we want to be, to show up as the people we want to be. I know when I am not getting enough sleep, I am not the person that I want to be, full stop. So how do I prioritize sleep? Well, I put my phone on airplane mode at 9 p.m. I am not perfect about it, but I really try because getting sucked into the social media scroll is, I have found, one of the worst things that I can do for my sleep. I also use blue light blocking glasses if I'm watching any kind of screen at night. So if I'm watching TV, if I'm watching a show on my iPad, I have blue light blocking glasses on. They are orange. They look ridiculous, but they actually help. They block all blue and green spectrum light, and it actually really helps me to get better sleep. And then the third thing, I make myself have a bedtime. I am in bed, physically in bed ideally with a good book by 10 p.m. Again, I'm not perfect about this, but these are the things that I come back to when sleep has gotten difficult or gone awry. So that might look different for you. And again, you might not be in a season where this is an option and that's okay. Remember, it's a season. But when we can prioritize sleep, it's one of the biggest bang for your buck pieces of self-care, meaning it will pay off in all areas of your life. You'll be better able to regulate your emotions and maybe you'll even have the energy to get up before your kids, which I don't know about you, but for me, that's a game changer. If I get up before my kids, I have time to do a workout. I have time to drink a cup of coffee in peace. And then I can respond to the many, many, many requests. Mommy, can you do this? Mommy, I need help with this. I can be available for those requests because I have taken care of myself. So you've got to figure out what are the things for you that give you the most self-care bang for your buck and then schedule those in. Work other things around them. Ask your partner or someone else for support in making them happen if you need to. And on that last note, 
I know sometimes it is so hard for us to ask for help. A lot of times this goes back to how we were raised. We have a hard time asking others to help us. We're conditioned not to. We're conditioned to take care of everyone else and never to be needy. But here's what I need you to hear. Even if you've gotten really, really good at doing it all, you are not doing that without a cost. So often, you are the cost to doing it all. We do this. We overfunction. We do all the things without asking for help. And we do that at the expense of ourselves and our well being. So ask for help. This might mean hiring part time childcare, leaning on local family if you have that option, or asking your partner to take on more responsibilities with the kids and around the house in order to support you. Sometimes we worry specifically about asking our partners to take on extra time with the kids or extra responsibilities around the house because we don't want to put more on their already full plates. And I hear you and I get that. And also we don't want them to be mad or upset about taking on that extra. But here's the thing. You're never going to know if it's a good option for your family unless you ask and unless you try it. And also we have to remember that it's not our job to manage anyone else's feelings. You are allowed to ask for help and your partner is allowed to feel stressed or unhappy about that. It might be stressful to think about taking on more. It is okay that your partner feels these things, and you still get to ask for what you need. Both of those things are simultaneously true. I remember in the early years of parenting, I did all the mornings by myself because I was breastfeeding, and I think both of us just kind of thought that's how it had to be. But it caught up with me, and I realized I needed more time for myself. So when I first asked my partner, can you try taking on mornings? He seemed really stressed and unsure. I think he wasn't sure how it was going to go, especially because I was still breastfeeding and it was a tough conversation, but he ultimately agreed to try it. And here's the thing. It actually worked out to be amazing for our family. To this day, he still does mornings all on his own now with three kids. And then I have time and space to work out and get ready for my day. And it has been a game changer. But it never would have happened if I hadn't asked about shifting how we were doing things and tolerated his discomfort and uncertainty about that. So ask for help if you need it. You are not responsible for other people's feelings. You are allowed to take up space. You are allowed to have needs. You are allowed to ask for help when you need it. So this seems like a good stopping point for today's episode. There is so much more I could say about self-care, but I feel like this is a good start at least. I hope this was helpful and I want to give you a challenge for this week. I want you to decide on one thing that you could do for yourself daily that would give you lots of self-care bang for your buck. What is one cornerstone thing that if you actually did it regularly would affect other areas of your life and make other things easier? I gave some examples earlier, but decide on what that looks like for you. And then from there, schedule it in. Ask for help if you need to, and then make it happen. Especially as we head into the holiday season, this will be a game changer. And don't forget to go download my holiday survival guide for parents. It's totally free and it will be so helpful as we navigate the holidays with our kiddos. RaceResilient.com forward slash holiday. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, we've got this. 
I so appreciate you listening and being here. It really means the world to me. And if you are enjoying this podcast, leave a review and share with someone who could use this message. I really and truly believe that this is how we change the world. We spread the word about raising resilient kids, about being cycle breakers. So share this podcast, leave a review, and let's spread the word about raising resilient kids. Until next time, we've got this.